and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. And it says it says a lot about like the, the 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 current state of the roster. I think you know, in the preseason, I remember media day. You know, there were a lot of questions about Shaden Sharp and mm-hmm. would he play? Would he be in the rotation? And, I didn't think he would. I mean, he was and he ended up playing. You know, really since opening night, he's yeah. been in the rotation. And and you know, there have been great moments. There have been you know some good, really good stretches. And then there have been some where you're just like, this kid has no idea what he's doing. And that is okay. I mean, you look around. I mean, for as for as young as he is, for as green as he is, I think you're totally fine with where Shaden Sharp is in his development. But like you said, you know, he would not be, um, you know, there wouldn't be the level of um, accountability. I think for him, if he was if he was somewhere else. Um, but I think he's. I think this is a really good situation to be an 18 year old who is being asked to contribute to, because like you know, you're you're not in you know, LA or New York where there's, you know, constant pressure and scrutiny. You're, you're getting meaningful minutes in the NBA. You know, a fan base isn't living and dying with every single, um, you know, high and low. I mean, of course, well, they kind of are, are. They fans, are, excited. Are, here. fans yeah. are excited, but it's not like, you know, I mean, it's not the weight of the franchise isn't on him. Right. Like, I mean, this is Dame's team, you know, Dame yeah. is still here for the foreseeable future. It's not like this is a team that, you know, tanked and then, Got went into the draft and got Shaden Sharp, and now it's his team. Like, I think he's in really good position to develop and be a really good player, um, maybe a great player in you know a couple of years. Like, I don't think he's that far away. What was that dynamic like uh, in LA? The first LeBron, like the pre-Anthony Davis LeBron year, where it was LeBron and the kids. It was like Lonzo Ingram, uh, you know, Josh Hart, like all all, the, all these kids with LeBron and like. Was was it was a kind of a similar because you were just talking about like there not being that much yeah. scrutiny on Shade and Sharp because it doesn't yeah. play in a major market. I feel like it would be kind of the opposite of a situation like that year in LA where it's like if LeBron is on the team, the expectation is to win a title. So why aren't these kids further along in their development than they ended up being? Yeah, I mean, I liked that team to be honest. Well, because I liked all those young guys. Like, I I loved covering Josh when he was when he yeah. was young and, and and Brandon and you know those guys Lonzo. are all good guys. Yeah, and Lonzo was kind of a. Um, you know, it was in a really unique That was spot its own with, thing. With, because with, with, but, like, you know, he was, but, I mean, he was, like, again, like, you know, good guy, you know, good player, you know, was learning how to be a pro. But, you know, Julius Randle, you know, had become, like, a really, really good player by the time he left. I guess he left the year before. He yeah. left the summer LeBron came in. But yeah. um, I liked that team a lot because it really, you know, I thought it was fun to sort of try to, see which guys clicked with LeBron and which guys like would would stick and hang around because I didn't really I I think I was disappointed that that team ended up being so disappointing that the only real path forward was to trade them all because I think like you know ideally you would have found a move to you know build out a roster around LeBron and 
Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, you know, or, you know, keep, you know, um, keep 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 Josh Hart and Lonzo and and move BI for someone else because BI would have you know been a little redundant with LeBron because they both have the ball in their hands so much whatever it is like I hate I kind of hated seeing like a total purge of that of that group of you know the kids so to speak uh what's my dog have hold on I'm gonna get something from my dog okay thought. all right <laughs> Mario, you'll be able to edit this, right? Oh, no, this is staying in the pot. Oh, yeah. He's chewing up a plastic steak. So. All right. So, so what, so what you don't know is that I do the, is that I'll do the, you're, you're going to be able to edit this, right? And then keep that in the pot. Just for, you know, for, for, for effect. Nobody, nobody's ever done that before. Nobody's ever left It'll something be, in a... It's, it's just a, it's a test to see if I actually go back and listen, because you, you, I assume that you're going to edit it out, and then, but if you leave it... Do you? I would, would, I, would I ever know? Do you go back and listen to your? No, pods? that sounds like that. Now, now that I say that, I realize it sounds sociopathic. I do. Like, I I do it though. Like, or I I think I I think I do it a little bit less now that I have somebody else actually editing my stuff, and I don't have to worry about it sounding good. But back when I used to do this b- before I signed with Odyssey, and I had to do like all the yeah. editing and production and stuff on my own, I would actually yeah. go back and listen to it and see like if I actually sounded okay or if the production was okay. But now 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 I more so don't really do that but it it is actually not you know i don't think it's it's sociopathic to go back and listen to your own stuff i just i i, I turn on i turn on the sound of my voice to fall asleep just the soothing, <laughs> the soothing tones of my own dulcet <laughs> but tenor. anyway so what you were saying about like the you know wanting to see the lebron with the kids lineup kind of develop and maybe be a multi-year thing i think you and i both know that the minute Anthony Davis signed with Clutch, even if those kids actually had developed and it turned out that that team actually did fit really well around LeBron, they were going to trade them for Anthony Davis because that was yeah, just what I mean, was set I up. I mean, I think it was probably mismanaged to a point where I don't know, you know, I'd have to go back and look like, you know, if, if there was a version where, you know, the Lakers could have, you know, held on to one of those guys, you know, uh-huh. if, or swap or even swap it, you know, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like, you would have been better off trading Kuzma, you know, than Lonzo. Let's say, but because I mean, Kuzma was pretty up, important on that title. Kuzma Kuz ends up making a huge difference on a title team, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and Lonzo's had his injuries, but um, I don't know. I was. It was. It was just kind of. I mean, I don't care, right? But like, it was. It was disappointing to because I'd been through the um, the years of of tanking and like really like invested in those those long seasons of like, you know, the team's not going to be good, but there is a draft pick at the end of it. And by the way, we're going to develop Jordan Clarkson this year and like give Jordan Clarkson a chance to become a guy. And so you, then you, you know, you put a lot of coverage effort into, into Jordan Clarkson, you know, getting to know him, you know, getting to know the people around him, um, you know, kind of covering his arc and trajectory. And then, you know, and he becomes a very good player and then you know one day he's just boom traded for you know cap space to Cleveland so it, on the off chance they can sign LeBron, um, and same with like those other guys you know like you know Julius Randle was the first you know that was the highest draft pick they'd had since James Worthy, and you know seeing him go from a guy who breaks his leg on opening night to you know a really you know high level you know nah, I don't want to overstate it he wasn't an, he wasn't that all star caliber player yet but I mean he'd become like a you know quality starting four in the NBA, and it just becomes so transactional and so then to see how easily you know 
three or four of those guys got you know traded for Anthony Davis, who by the way is insanely good. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean that's that, that's the thing. As much as like we like, I understand the business of it, but right? Like, just like, being up close with that team for a long time, you know, I very much enjoyed kind of the 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 build uh-huh. and the and the kind of struggle of building a winner through the draft and with those guys. And I kind of like the idea of LeBron, you know, learning to um, play with the, play with them and like, and, and elevating those guys to, you know, winning basketball players. And it, we didn't get to see it because that year was so, was so bad that, you know, there was really only one option, which was, you know, trade them all for, for AD, which I mean, obviously worked out. They yeah. That's the thing is like, as much as, you know, you and I can say, you know, we wish that we had been able to see LeBron with the kids. Like you mm-hmm. make that trade for Anthony Davis every single time. And like, I know yep. they, I know they gave up a lot, but you should have to mm-hmm. give up a lot for Anthony Davis. That's the part of it. That in I think 20, of in people, 2019. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe now with all the injuries and stuff, like maybe his, his value would be lower, but at the time, like coming off this, like the season that he was having in new Orleans that year before he like asked for a trade and blew up the whole season, like that that was like he was putting up like whatever his stat I don't have it off the top of my head but whatever his stat line was was like something that like only Kareem had done like in his MVP season at that point yeah no I mean he was I mean he was unbelievable and even now like you yeah. know if Anthony Davis was like true if the if the Lakers were going to tear it down and they were going to trade AD like I would be fascinated to know what his um what his value would look like for because everything you're describing I mean he looked even this year before he got hurt right I mean which is the kind of that's always caveat. the thing with him. That's the perennial caveat. But like he was playing as well as he has since the bubble um, this, this fall. And so I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's still that guy, but he's also the guy who's only going to give you 41 games a year. One thing that I've kind of been thinking about lately, that's kind of a difference between, you know, this version of the Blazers and maybe some of those Laker teams that you covered is that, and this is something that I've, you know, another another reason that I've kind of been telling people I am pretty, I don't want to say optimistic because I think their ceiling is like maybe winning a first round series, but with with as constructed, no, because no, assuming they do something at the deadline okay. to balance the roster okay. a little bit, but the biggest thing, and this is something that was never true of any of those Laker teams that you covered, you know, in the LeBron era. The three most important people in the organization, those franchise player, the head coach, and the general manager, are completely on the same page and completely in lockstep about, like, what the plan is and what the vision is, which was completely the opposite of every single one of those years that you covered LeBron. Because, like, I mean, like, like, let's, let's be, I mean, you won't disagree with this, I'm sure, but, like, LeBron did not go to the Lakers as a basketball decision. He did not go there because he was like, you know, I really just, I just really believe in the team building vision that Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka have. He went there because he wanted to live in LA, make movies. He liked the idea of being a Laker. He also knew that the Lakers were so desperate for any kind of relevance that they would be like, yeah, sure. You can sign here. And then, you know, we'll just, you know, you can, we'll, we'll sign like seven clutch guys for the bench and just kind of let you dictate all of our personnel moves. And now you're, you're kind of starting to see now like that, you know, he's starting, like, they're, they're starting to push back a little bit about, like, hey, maybe we don't want to trade all of our picks for, you know, yeah. Miles Turner or some guy that's going to not really move the needle to make us a contender. And LeBron's, like, giving all these, like, passive-aggressive interviews to Amick and to and to McMiniman. Where, like, he's like, I didn't come here to lose. And it's like, dude, right. you came here to be a Laker. You came here for the legacy brand stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron... 
believed that there was enough basketball potential, uh-huh. you know, whether it was, and I think that the thing that we, that, that has to be acknowledged about the, the, the that young team was, I think that it gave him kind of two, two paths, right? You come and either those guys are good and like, and they, they rise to the challenge and you're good with those young guys, or they give you the trade ballast to go out and, and get, and get that, that second headliner. If one of them doesn't, become that guy um and and so i mean i think that there was there was basketball logic to it i mean there were times in the lakers history where i mean like you remember when the lakers tried to sign lamarcus aldridge or when the lakers went after carmelo anthony in 2014 or um they also had interest in lebron in in 2010 you know and there was no room for him but like i think the lakers had done the work to make uh to make la appealing enough of a destination for um, for LeBron. And so, but yeah, of course, I mean, like he wanted to live in LA. He had lots of other things he wanted to do in LA. He was at the point of, in his life where he didn't care what people thought or if people thought that he, you know, was more interested in the business stuff or the, the movie stuff than the, than the, um, than the basketball. And, you know, he made it work. I mean, so with credit to him, I mean, that he, you know, was able to build something sort of out of, you know, what was not seen as a, wildly promising situation but you're right you are right though that there was because all the pieces like when you talk about like the three most important people in the organization it was rob Polinka's kobe's guy yes lebron comes in when rob is not the the main man right that Matt that's magic at that point in time uh magic is kind of the lead recruiter if you will on lebron um in as much as it took a recruiter right and then um you know and then the coaching seat was kind of a little bit of a revolving door. I mean, LeBron's been in LA for five years. He's had three head coaches. So, um, you know, I think that really it's more of a LeBron driven operation and then sort of, and sort of, you know, what can everyone else in that orbit do to sort of play their part, you know, to, you know, deliver a, a team that is commensurate with LeBron, but like, you know, in Portland, it's, I think it's also sort of driven, bottom up right like where it's you know player coach and gm and what's and what's interesting about portland of course is that you know you know joe was not the gm who hired who hired um chauncey billups no which doesn't mean that he wasn't like you know part of it and you know hugely on board but like talking to joe cronin about both chauncey billups and damian lillard it's very clear like how much faith he has in in both of those guys and like maybe part of that is um, a uh, professional necessity, right? Like you can't assume the role of GM of the Trailblazers, you know, and and not be in on Damian Lillard and Chauncey Billups, considering some of the kind of organizational values at this point. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he has talked about to me about you know trusting Damian Lillard, you know, more than anybody else on earth. So when people talk about well, would the Blazers trade Dame or whatever, if people are still talking about that at this moment. Um, I think know, that's mostly finally most mostly quelled, right? But like, but like, no, like unless unless there was a real reason to, like, I mean, Joe Cronin firmly. If he asked that, for it, I think they would try. To yeah, Joe Cronin right firmly him. believes that you can win a championship with Damian Lillard as your as your as your as your top player, you know, between now and the end of and the and the end of his contract. So it's, um, you know, there there is a whole lot of trust there and a lot of faith, um, you know, top top to bottom. And a lot and a lot of synergy. Whereas, you know, when I covered the other team, the team down south, it felt uh-huh. like there were a lot of forces that were kind of always pulling in different directions. 
Well, the other part of it, I think, is that Dame's style of having input into these things is a lot more like like Dame like Dame does have his opinions about like players that he wants or you know he 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 had you know input into you know different moves that they've made like he pushed pretty mm-hmm. hard for Jeremy Grant but he also I think is smart enough to know that he's not the head coach and he's not the general manager and that those right. two people just just like you know he knows more about being a franchise player and you know being an NBA superstar yeah. than than either of those guys do he knows, I think, that Chauncey knows more about coaching than he does, and that Joe knows more about, like, front office salary cap machinations. So when he goes and pushes for a player, first of all, I think Dame is a smart enough, like, basketball guy to know that, like, like he pushed for Jeremy Grant, and part of that was that Jeremy Grant is his boy, and, like, they had a relationship from Team USA. But also Dame, like, knows his himself and his game and his playing style well enough to know that jeremy grant would be a good fit and that's why he pushed for him but he also didn't go to joe and say if you don't trade for jeremy grant i'm gonna ask for a trade like yeah like he he you know he and you know i see this all the time like both last year after you know the front office changes happened and then you know also this year like i i usually you know i get to the arena probably a little earlier than a lot of other you know reporters do and i usually spend a lot of time when the bowl is open out on the court just sitting by one of the baselines just watching and just seeing what I see. And Joe is usually out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times Dame is usually out there. And the two of them usually will just like sit there and talk for like 30 or 45 minutes at a time. Like yeah. this happens routinely. Like Dame is very much like involved in everything that's going on. But he also knows that he's not the GM and that Joe is going to know more about like which trades are actually right. on the table and what other teams are willing to do and what their salary cap situation is and what this does for this part of the, mm-hmm. like Joe knows more about that stuff than Dame does. And I think Dame respects that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that, um, I think that 